the goal is to allow you to test your product whenever it's possible. That's the value for you. And so based on that, you will be able to maybe perform some back and forth before the end of the sprint because you will be able to test continuously during the sprint and not just after the sprint when the next one will begin. G'day and welcome to Amazing Applications from Customary. I'm Neil Benson. Thanks for joining me. Amazing Apps is here to help Microsoft customers and partners build amazing Dynamics 365 and Power Platform applications, especially if your team is using an agile approach. Congratulations to a couple of recent Customary Academy students who've achieved their Scrum certification. Well done to Riley Sanders at IBM, Danielle Craig and Stephen Leonard at Incremental Group. We're fast approaching 200 certified Scrum professionals from Customary Academy. If you want to find out more about adopting Scrum, getting certified, and applying it to your Dynamics 365 or Power Platform projects, visit customary.com slash scrum. That's customer with a Y on the end, dot com slash scrum. Today, I'm joined by Alan De Castro. Alan has been building Dynamics 365 apps for the past seven or eight years and is today a senior technical consultant for the Power Platform at Avenade in France. You might know him from the French biz apps community or the wonderfully detailed blog articles he publishes at alandecastro.com. Check out that link in the show notes. Alan shares with us what his team at Avenad has learned while applying Scrum to one of their recent projects. This is episode 141. You'll find a summary, resources, and a transcript at amazingapps.show slash 141. Here's Alan. Alan, welcome to the Amazing Applications Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Welcome from France this evening. Well, it's nighttime here in Brisbane, Australia. You're joining us from Paris. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. Ah. Yep. Well, a very special welcome to you. Bienvenue. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. I wonder if you could just start with a quick introduction. Let us know who you are, where you're from, where you work, and what type of business applications stuff you love doing. Yeah, sure. So my name is Alain de Castro, and I'm working at Avenade France. And especially in the Dynamics 365 world since like seven years, I would say, and with some other stuff too. And so basically I'm working as, especially on Dynamics 365 project, I would say not a lot of power platform, but I mean, it's the same as, you know, so I work on some huge projects, especially on sales model, customer services, et cetera. And, and so that's also uh, today I'm acting as a solution architect on huge project where we decided to use the Scrum framework. So it was quite news for us, but also for me, basically. So it was quite interesting, I would say. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, we'll get into that. Interested to find out that you work in big enterprise Dynamics 365 sales and service projects. I have a similar background doing Dynamics deployments in contact centers with hundreds or thousands of users. It sounds like your current situation is very similar. Yeah, exactly. Basically, at Savannah, we are like, uh, I don't know how much we are right now, but it's a huge team in France. So, I mean, all the big projects, I mean, <laughs> come um, to us, I would say. So we are often um, working on huge projects of this kind with a lot of users, with worldwide deployment, et cetera, et cetera. How long have you been working with Avanade? Is it all seven years that you've been in business applications? You've been at Avanade? No, no, no. It's uh, I'm working at Avanade since uh, five years right now. Okay. Great. Yeah. And how did you how did you get started with business applications? Oh, it's uh, I would say a long story because during my when I was a student, I 
started to work and basically to follow some course in IT. But then I wanted to maybe switch to something quite parallel, or maybe some management of, in the IT world, etc. And so then I followed my master's degree in this kind of courses, I mean, the manager, management in the IT world. And then I started in a, um, like a, internships, I would say, in the CRM world. And so I started like this. And then I decided that it was quite interesting because it's not just about technical stuff, but also about business because we're implementing some applications that will be used by real users. So we must definitely understand what we are going to do and what we are going to achieve to basically uh, provide some added value. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's bringing the, together that business domain expertise, knowledge of processes and cultures and politics and how organizations work, as well as how the technology can be adapted to support them as well. So good combination. Yeah, exactly. It's not about technical. <laughs> you said you're a solution architect today. How, how did you progress into that position? Basically, so um, I started to work on several projects before as, uh, I would say, a basic developers, uh, learning all the uh, basic stuff regarding the platform, uh, the Taverse part and the event framework, this kind of thing, etc. And then I started to work on building interfaces, etc. And so, and so then I, I started maybe four years ago to work with Azure components, meaning some service bus as a function, etc. So in this kind of, um, of stuff, we are always wondering about the architecture part, meaning the ecosystem around dynamics and not just what we're going to achieve inside the dynamics. And so, um, just so uh, also project. <laughs> my, my main goal is today to act as an architect. Tell me about adopting Scrum on a business applications project. I'm really interested, you say you love doing system or solution architecture work. In Scrum, for example, we don't have a job title called a solution architect. Everybody who builds the application is called a developer. It's a slightly awkward word because we use developer in a very specific way, whether you're low code or pro code. We think of developers separate from testers, separate from analysts, separate from architects. So how does your role play in, in a Scrum team? It's basically a good question because if we look into the Scrum guide, it's never um, mentioned any architects. They talk about the product owners, the development team, the Scrum master, and the stakeholders, yeah. I would say. And so an architect acts finally as a stakeholder, as some employees, as organization, etc., as this kind of stuff. So, yep. It was a challenge, basically, because we must find the good place. And on my project, I was um, the architect, but also the technical lead, I would say, inside the dev team. Okay. And as I said, it was the first time for us uh, to deliver a project like this in using the, the Scrum framework. So at first, it was like quite um, maybe ambiguous finding our place in the whole team. <laughs> and so for the architecture part, it's quite, yeah. Ambiguous because we must find normally everything. I would say there is some um, design phases quite before the first sprint. I would say, but um, yeah, the technical requirement part is complicated to address because we are focused mainly on the added value, on the business requirement, etc. So when we talk about architecture, meaning okay, maybe we'll interact with this system, or maybe it's not a good approach. Maybe we must build something new next uh, to dynamics. So it's some discussion that are sometime uh, not in the agile stream, I would say, because on my side, I will have, I did have, you know, the agile stream using the framework and then some V cycle bringing the integration part. So I was part of, I would say, of two teams. And so 
on the agile stream, I was, I would say, the technical lead, but in the vCycle, the solution architect. So my aim was to ensure to, uh, when we talk about interface in the agile stream, that it will normally in, in the roadmap on the vCycle and to ensure that it will work correctly. I mean, as expected based on the business requirement of the agile stream, based on the user story and ensure that technically it will not be too complicated to be done. And if it's the case, to ensure that we not have some technical debt or anything, et cetera. So are you doing a lot of sequencing and making sure dependencies are handled so that the Agile work stream isn't held up by the integration work that needs to be done? Yep, exactly. That was the complex part huh, because it's always, um, there is this sentence saying that in complex environments, what will happen is uh, fully unknown, I would say. And uh, so basically, it means that normally we do not define the architecture, I would say, during or along the sprints, and we do not have any uh, sprint zero, I would say, to prepare <laughs> some stuff, huh? because as we are working in, in Agile, we must follow the definition of done, for example. And for us, it means that we must, for sure, build it, build the, the PBI, but then deploy it to some target environments to ensure that it's tested along uh, the sprint. So this kind of step, because we are talking about technical requirements to set up all the environments, all the ALM process to deliver each increment, each artifact. And so, yeah, it was a little bit complex because when we work with some product owners, et cetera, they are mainly focused on the business value. But to achieve this, you have some step before, I would say. Yeah, the way I handle that in most of my teams is we, we take a, a chore, which is an unestimated product backlog item that the developers want to do, like build a new pipeline or automate a step in our existing pipeline. And it's not a user story because the users didn't request it. The stakeholders don't care about it very much. But as developers, we want to do it because we think it'll improve our velocity and improve the quality of the products that we can build later. That sounds like you're taking a similar approach. Yep, exactly. Because I would say that at least the team want to now build a working product. <laughs> and so sometimes uh, saying that, okay, we'll maybe uh, have some effort on this sprint regarding the deployment process. So it means that at the end, I mean, what is the sprint goals if we are only talking about architecture, meaning that we'll maybe not deliver some real value, some new process, etc., but we'll ensure that we'll be able to deliver maybe every days in your UAT environment. So that's a value, I would say, but not, I mean, from a business value point of view, it's complicated to negotiate, but it's something that we have to discuss basically with the product owner saying that, okay, we can maybe, I would say, try to implement this kind of thing right now so like that it will be done. And then I would say the goal is to allow you to test your product whenever it's possible. That's the value uh, for you. And so, Based on that, you will be able to maybe perform some back and forth before the end of the sprint because you will be able to test continuously during the sprint and not just after the sprint when the next one will begin. Yes. Yeah, I love trying to keep that testing in this inside the sprint where we can. I'm going through some challenges in some of my projects to try and do that, make sure there's business people available to conduct the testing, verify the increment, but it's not always easy for sure. Yep. I'm thinking back to when this project started, Alan, was it Avanad's usual approach to adopt the Scrum framework for a project like this? Or was this a quite a, a new project for the use of Scrum? 
basically it depends. I would say because for this project, so it was a, a project from scratch, huh? replacing two different tools. And so um, the build phases, so MVP was in using the Scrum framework. And so usually we we always do, I would say, a basic vCycle. So like that, we have you know, all the functional team that can perform some workshop to get all the business requirement, etc. On our side, from the, the technical part, we can ensure to define all the pattern, all the integration pattern, all the different systems, the capabilities, doing some integration, etc. And so normally we do in a vCycle and then we iterate in an agile mode, I would say. So th that was the first time to start a project from scratch like this. So it was quite valuable. I mean, at least for the business application part. We have some other projects, more traditional, I would say, using full custom dev that sometimes are fully implemented like this. But it depends also, you know, about your customer. If your customer is quite familiar with Agile, because Agile is a big word, I would say, because <laughs> yeah. everyone wants to do it, but I'm sure that you can do it. Are you familiar with it? Do you have the mindset for this? Right. And everybody has a different definition of what Agile means as well. Yep, exactly. And we often think about flexibility, etc. but we think also, um, I would say, out of the box, meaning that if you have, a, um, we know that in this kind of framework, uh, the product owner is, I would say, responsible about the backlog, etc., to create all the PBI. And so sometimes we are not going to do some workshop, I would say, some functional workshop to ensure that everything is clear, etc. But it's something that can absolutely uh, be done huh, by just, I would say, creating a PBI. Okay, we'll create this one. And so the aim is to uh, perform a workshop regarding this topic, this functional case, to ensure that we have everything in mind. So like that, we can write all the user story for the next print, meaning allowing the product owner to write correctly all the user story for the next print. And so the next print, the development team can just, I would say, implement technically all the process. And so like that, we are sure that at least in two sprints, it will work. But if we are, if we wait too much, I would say it can be really complicated. Yeah. It sounds like the customer is providing the product owner accountability in, in this project. Avanad's providing the developers and the scrum master. Is that right? Yep, exactly. That was exactly the initial team. So that's why normally we just manage to build the PBI with the user stories. But sometimes it's quite convenient to help the customer because, I mean, the main goals for us, meaning that we did a lot of projects with different customers. So we have another way of thinking. We can have some, I would say, similar stuff for another project. So we can help them also to think differently because we, the added value is not just to, I would say, to implement the current process. It's maybe to challenge this. Maybe it's okay. It's, it's a way of working right now, but maybe there is another way. And that's where we must match this with some, I would say, Dynamics 365 functionality because sometimes you have some quick win also. So it's sometimes that kind of stuff that can be um, um, set up. And so like that, uh, we have some added value out of the box without any development. And it's quite uh, great. Do you end up writing user stories for, or do you, does your product owner write user stories for what is actually standard functionality? Because it's a little bit of a waste of time. And I quite often find that we provide a business analyst to work with the product owner who knows dynamics quite a bit so that they can avoid writing a lot of, spend a lot of time writing user stories for basic functionality that comes out of the box. 
do your developers have a business analyst in the team or is the product owner doing all the business analysis work? Basically, the development team is composed by, I would say, some technical person. I would say some traditional developers I would, and some functional person. Yep. But it's the development team. So it means that together we are at the sprint planning. I mean, at the sprint uh, refinement, et cetera, et cetera, all together. So in this kind of scenario, the project owner do have, I would say, a proxy product owner. I know that it's normally not usual roles in the Scrum um, framework. Yeah, I've been there too. <laughs> yep. It's sometimes um, something that we call a business analyst, I would say. But uh, yep, someone is present to help the product owner. But it depends, meaning um, about your knowledge in a general way of how we are building application. Because there are some basic questions that a business analyst can ask, huh? meaning that when you talk about a new object, I would say, there are some basic stuff to ask. For example, what is the life cycle of this object? Okay, we are talking about a case, for example. Okay, but uh, the first state is what in progress or waiting to be handled by someone. And then, okay, so we have the flow to define some type, etc. So it's some basic stuff, huh? because if we are building any other application, it's the same way of thinking, I would say. And then we have the added value of dynamics. We're getting some out-of-the-box feature, meaning that you know, we will not develop a bulk edit mode because you can just select some records and click on edit and it's already implemented. No. Um, if you do not have, I would say, the knowledge about dynamics, you will not be able to, I would say, to put this kind of functionality in front of the product owner. So maybe they would write a user story saying, okay, we, we want to perform some bulk update. Okay, basically for us, it's out of the box and sometimes it will be better to say that, okay, that's all the functionality of the project. Let's perform demo. You can see that you can do it. Maybe it's something that can be shown during the demo, I would say, and not maybe create a dedicated user story for that because it's fully out of the box. Or at least you can watch it, but saying that it will be the, the standard of dynamics, that's all. There is no development on this. So it's based on the standard feature. So like that, you do not have maybe some KO test uh, based on that. Oh no, we expect this. Oh yeah, but it's not implemented natively. So if you want to do it, we must, you know. It's going to be a customization or something. Yep, exactly. I was meeting with a pretty senior director at Microsoft recently who said that agile approaches don't work with business applications. It's great for custom development where you know, you're know writing everything in custom code. That's where the Scrum framework was based. That's where you know, most agile approaches are based on custom development work, not composing or, or configuring business applications. And yet here you and I are with you know, lots of uh, Scrum experience under our belts building business applications. What do you say to somebody who says, you know, Scrum's not the right approach for a business applications project? I think it depends about a lot of things uh, uh, because um, some things that can work on a project can't work on another one. So we must answer some, I talk about mistake at first time uh, when we get in in touch, and there is some stuff to ensure to start properly Dynamics 365 project using Scrum framework. I think some are quite basic for all of the project, meaning reading the backlog, for example. As an architect, for example, all technical requirements must be in the backlog. It's quite better for us, I would say, and to ensure that we have all the dependencies. When you talk about some integration, we must have all the dependencies so like that we can plan everything in a one map, even if if it's 
I mean, the Scrum framework, you must have a run map, you know, because uh, you will have maybe, uh, I don't know, 10 sprints, but maybe uh, the, the sprint goal of the, of the, the first one will be uh, A, uh, but uh, it will be uh, the same for uh, three different sprints because we have some dependency, etc. So we are building stuff to allowing us to build everything on the fifth sprint, for example. That's the first thing to ensure that the backlog is quite, basically, it must not be ambiguous, I would say. And so I think that it's quite important the customer has some knowledge about dynamics. So I think that the best way to start it is maybe to train the customer regarding the solution because we are not starting from a custom development. So the aim is to leverage the dynamic specific capabilities, the power platform capabilities, and it's something quite important. If we talk about, for example, the security model, I mean, we can implement some custom dev, etc. but the aim is to fit into the security model that will normally answer to uh, 90% of uh, your requirements. So if we explain this, how it works, it's quite easier when we talk about security in the sprint. So there's some knowledge to be acquired by the customer, I think, and by the business analyst, if he doesn't know well dynamics. And I think that's the first thing because we often talk about the sprint zero, but I think that it's something that can be definitely be done before as the architecture part, I think. So like that, we must focus the sprint only on the prioritization, I would say, and that's all, meaning that we know where we are going and we are, well, we just split into different sprints and we just manage when we want it to be released, but that's all. But everything is, I would say, clear. I mean, 80, 90%, for sure, there is some unknown thing every time, hein? or new business requirements, etc. And so we must refine it, maybe plan a workshop, etc. But I think there's, there's two points. First, the backlog must definitely ensure that the technical requirements are included, that is fully estimated, and that the customer or the person who are working with the product owner are aware about dynamics. Because in custom dev, it works because we can do what we want. <laughs> yeah, I can do anything. Yeah, you, you've made a great point, a great example there of the security model. If your requirements fit within the security model, you can meet everything with configuration. It's, it's quite fast and rapid to meet those requirements, deploy those uh, security roles and business units and everything into production. But if your product owner doesn't understand it, the dataverse security options that are available, they may well come up with requirements that are crazy and very difficult to implement, require a lot of custom code. And so there's some negotiation there, which is easier if your customer understands what's available out of the box for sure. I'd have to say a lot of my projects, we don't know the product backlog up front, and a lot of it emerges during the course of the project. We try and define it at a very high level. So we, we break it up into epics. And we know roughly what the relative size of those epics are, because if we don't know that, we can't give you any kind of estimate. And most customers need an estimate before they approve a project. So I, I, I agree with you to some extent that it's good to know roughly what you're going to do with some kind of roadmap or a blueprint before you start sprint one. I don't like calling it sprint zero because it's not <laughs> really a sprint and it might take longer than one sprint. It might take a couple of days or it might take a couple of weeks to do that kind of discovery, uh, road mapping, people to call it different things, you know, initiation, lots of different words for that stuff you do before the project really starts. 
Coming towards the the end of your projects, how do you handle testing with the users? Are they doing testing during the course of your sprint or are you you're reserving the effort for a UAT phase? What happens in your projects? Basically, both. Meaning that we have a quality insurance, uh, I would say, person testing along the project, along the sprint, by basically uh, delivering into a target environment, your UAT environment. So like that, well, normally, uh, at least every day, uh, we are delivering the solution, except if we have no PBI ready for it. Huh? But basically, we are trying to deliver at least every day, every two days in this target environment. So like that, they can test it continuously. And so it's done by a dedicated person. And then it's, um, we have a double check, I would say. And first, the quality insurance person is testing based on the user stories, based on the test case, because we're also writing some test case by the development team. I mean, the unit test case. Huh? And then the customer, so this person is testing also on his side. And after that, we have the product owner or the business analyst that will put this one as done. So we have the tested state, I would say, and then the done state. So we have this double check. Right. So that is along the, the project, along the sprint. And then we do have a UAT phases because it was an MVP, I would say. So it will be quite different now because we are in a run phases. But at first, yep, we had a UAT phases to coverage all the scope by some end user in this case. We wanted to bring them basically to test everything we had UAT phases with a lot of functional scenario to be tested by end user, some key user, I would say. But now as we are in a run, we're just testing continuously, um, but without a huge UAT phases. So the application's live in production right now, so Absolutely. you're just doing continuous testing. Yeah, very good. Yep. Cool. Tell me about some of the challenges you've had, either with this particular project or, or because of Scrum. What kind of issues did you have to overcome? Basically, if we talk about the architecture point of view, it was something that's uh, sometimes quite complicated because I worked with an ecosystem quite uh, moving, I would say, and because all the master data source was not really, I would say, uh, clear for everyone, etc. Some right. some systems uh, were currently under construction, so it was a little bit complicated, and that's the problem that the architecture should should not emerge every sprint, I would say. Normally, you must figure it out quite before. So we had some changements on the fly. So we definitely uh, adapted some stuff on our side. So it was a little bit complicated. But uh, it's like the first point we discussed before, meaning huh? that the architecture must be quite clear at first if you want to use this framework and the added values that it can provide. And then we have we had encountered some other problems regarding basically the functional parts, I would say, the requirements that were not really clear, I would say, but even for the customer. And that was also the, so the part we discussed before that, um, I mean, in agile mode, it can be really, really fast, but you must ensure that everything is defined before. And it's also maybe some cultural uh, stuff, huh? because for example, I think it's my own opinion, but in France, we definitely want to build, we want to develop, <laughs> we, we want to to build some plugin. We want to build some JavaScript, some perhaps, etc. <laughs> uh, but I think that if you go maybe in Asia, I know that there are some quite more long analysis phases because we must, they must ensure where they are going. 
you know and so sometimes we must make care about that okay let's take a step back analyze everything design maybe a little bit not everything but at least where we think that there is a risk or at least identify this kind of risk so like that we know that okay maybe in two weeks we are going to, to work a little bit because we have a, some huge dark <laughs> i would say requirement so we must uh, i think keep in mind that we'll maybe have to perform some workshop maybe uh, the velocity will not be great because we'll maybe do some back and forth every time so and we encounter this kind of problem on this project especially organizing i would say a traditional problem but quite complicated for this customer organizing you know how to manage the sales territory it's always quite interesting but it was the main concern of this project how did things go with your customer were they able to keep up were they happy with the scrum framework was you know are they going to continue using scrum for other projects in the future do you think and basically this customer is um, already implementing a lot of projects internally using scrum framework ah okay so quite a mature customer when it comes to agile yeah yep maybe not in the best way i would say but at least they're <laughs> trying to do uh, some iteration etc so on their way i would say but with this project it's the first time that they do a project with some external uh, contractor i would say so with maybe a more consistency <laughs> about the application of the framework i would say uh, more discipline so it was more rigorous so i think that they also learned a lot of stuff and some comparison was made you know between some product owner saying that, oh, you are doing this. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, we are not doing this uh, on our side. Oh, it's quite strange because it's how the framework works. I mean, oh, we are supposed to do it. So it was uh, <laughs> not so bad uh, on this point. And yep, the aim is to continue like this and they will continue like this for sure. That's great that they have a community of product owners who are sharing practices and lessons that they've learned from their projects amongst each other. So that's, that's really encouraging. Yep. What's the feeling like amongst the Avanade developers? Are they enjoying using the Scrum framework? Do they care much whether it's a traditional approach or an agile approach? What do you think the feedback is like from your, your colleagues in your team? It's a good question. I think it depends also about the person, uh, meaning the personality. I think that some of them definitely loved it because it's quite moving, I would say. So it can also be more fun, I would say. And, um, I think that some other are prefer to have some, something quite stable, ensure that everything is clear on the table, et cetera. So, uh, you know, where you are going, what you are going to achieve, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it depends, but I think that's the way, I mean, the goal is to try to do some other project like this, I would say, and by learning what we did on this project. And so like that, we can be better for the next one, for sure. Yeah, great. What are the top one or two things, two lessons that you'll take on to your next project that you you hope never to repeat again? Any mistakes that you're, you're going to try and avoid next time? First thing, I think backlog management, ensuring that everything is, I would say, clear, estimated, and that the technical requirements are included. Then to ensure that the customer and the business analyst, I think, are aware about dynamics. What is the main goal? Why we decide to choose dynamics to leverage all the out of the box functionalities. And then that, um, you know, about the sprint zero we talked about to ensure that to define this kind of process uh, before, I would say, and to keep in mind that the architect must have like an advisory role 
um, as a stakeholder of the Scrum team. And that's all. Do not try to influence because I did it. So basically my project to influence, you know, the sprints to ensure that, okay, I know how it's going uh, in the integration parts. Okay. Let's do it. This sprint instead of the, of the next one, because I know that we can do it right now. But this one, this PBI, we can do it right now. I, because I know it. So let's do it. It may be next sprint. It will be easier for us. One final question for you, Alan. What kind of tools did your team find useful? What were you using to manage your backlog? And were there any other tools that you'd like to recommend to the community that they should evaluate and explore? Basically, we used Azure DevOps for sure for getting the backlog. So first, they started on a basic Excel, Excel sheet, huh? and then we imported it in Azure DevOps <laughs> before the, the, the project started to ensure that everything is linked correctly, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that it's quite great, huh? but um, I think that we can write some also extension, meaning that, for example, if you want to perform the, the one map, you have some extension available to add your epics on the different, I would say, sprints. Also to define the dependencies, quite important. And the good point is that if you have your ALM process, including the tool you are using to manage your backlog, it's quite easier for us because you can link all work item to your pull requests, so then to your build, etc. For example, here we are working to, automa to automatically generate the release notes based on what we did on the build because all work items are linked, etc. So like that, it's it's automatically generated, displayed on the dashboard. So like that, we have all uh, release not displayed. It's quite clear. And so we can communicate it to the end user whenever we do a production delivery and this kind of stuff. I think that we can implement also some other stuff, like for example, uh, on a basic PBI work, we do have some basic steps saying that we'll have the functional part, the customization to update the documentation, then to perform the build task, then the testing phases, etc. And I think that it's also something that can be created automatically to help, I mean, the dev team to ensure that, okay, we'll take this PBI because we move to a specific status or to an iteration, to a sprint, then automatically the task are generated. And so like that, we follow always the, the same pattern. And as sometimes you have some post-deployment, for example, step, you can also generate the task automatically saying, okay, maybe we'll have it and at least we'll maybe delete it or, uh, or just keep it at the end of the sprint because like that, you have a full task career of post-deployment tasks that must be done after the delivery, etc. Yeah, I'm uh, not a big fan of using tasks. I know they work for a lot of teams, so I'm always interested and curious. So it sounds like you are using subtasks under your product backlog items, which is great to hear. You know, there's lots of different ways of, of applying Scrum and the Scrum Guide doesn't tell us, used to tell us, about subtasks, but some teams do, some teams don't. So you won't find any guidance or, or rules in the Scrum Guide anymore about subtasks. So glad you're having fun with those. Yep. All right, Alan, anything else you'd like to share with the amazing apps and, and business apps community before we wrap it up? I think that uh, basically you can first uh, keep in mind to have the Scrum Guide on your desktop first. Feel free to <laughs> consult it whenever you have a doubt about it. Then you can follow some cures. Huh? I followed yours some years ago because it's quite, it's, that's right. Yeah. I mean, quite easy. Yeah, basically, it's a free course. So congrats to you, to your contribution for this. Huh? A lot of stuff quite valuable, meaning even how you are uh, writing some user stories, et cetera, to ensure that 
So definition of uh, ready and definition of done is correctly defined and understood by everyone. It's something quite important. <laughs> Alan, how can people get hold of you, follow your content and uh, keep in touch with you online? Are there uh, preferred social media channels or anything that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> Basically, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn for sure. I try to post some good stuff but also on twitter which is a common way in the mvp world to communicate quite yeah. easily by tweeting everything we have in in mind and also my personal blog blog.alandecastro.com try to do some blog posts sometime i would say <laughs> so for sure you can reach me from linkedin twitter or my personal address for my blog yeah yeah great well we'll make sure we include links to those in our show notes you can check those out at amazingapps.show slash 141 Alan de Castro, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you sharing your agile story, building uh, sounds like pretty complex enterprise dynamics, 365 apps for Avanade's customers in France. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. And thanks to you, Nate.